grab a seat. Is this on? Can anybody hear me? Hello. <laughs> Lonnie can hear me. Anybody else can hear me? Raise your hand if you can hear me. All right. Good morning, ladies. We're glad you're here this morning. It's going to be a great morning. We are going to learn even more about the Lord's power and majesty and his faithfulness that he exhibited to the Egyptians, I mean, to the Israelites and to the Egyptians, but that he exhibits to us today. So if y'all will come on in and get settled and we will pray before Nika comes up on stage. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, you are holy and powerful, and you reign in majesty. You prove that you are the provision and the salvation for those who trust and follow you. Lord, help us to trust you more. I pray for Nika this morning as she speaks to us, that our hearts would be moved and that our faith would increase that we would hear the words that you would have for us, Lord. And I pray for any woman in this room who who has not accepted and received the salvation that you offer, that you would just make yourself known to her today. Open her eyes, Lord, and save her. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of studying your word and the privilege of doing that in the context of the community of these women that are here. We love you, Lord, and we thank you so much for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Gigi. Uh, Since Lucina's not here, I can't make fun of her, so I'll just get right to the talk. Um, (laughs) Whenever we we decide, yeah, I guess Linda next time, we usually decide every fall what we're going to be studying for the next year, and a couple of years ago, we chose the book Genesis, and what was funny is we just had a lot of people go, gosh, that's just a really old book. I was like, you're right, it's a couple thousand years old. And they're like, is it going to apply to our lives today? And I was like, well, I think so because it's scripture, but you'll just have to go with us on that. And what was really fun is a lot of you all told us, hey, I didn't really think it would have a lot to do with my life today, but I found out that it did. And so when we announced Exodus, we assumed that you all would be with us, but you weren't, and that's fine. Um, But what we've discovered is, lo and behold, Exodus, because it's scripture, is also applicable today. And so I'm really excited about today's lesson because I feel like it's one of those lessons that just naturally lends itself to what we're going on today. If you remember when we talked about Exodus at the beginning of the year, we said that this is a book about God rescuing, redeeming, and revealing, and today is the rescue. Today is that moment when they are going to walk out of Egypt. And if you remember, I told you that this is a book not simply about plagues and all these grandiose things and God's glory coming down, but really it's a book about God's resume. Is he a covenant-keeping God? We've told you almost every week that God made a promise in Genesis and he needs to fulfill it in Exodus. And if he doesn't fulfill it, then he's not a good God. And up until this point, he has not fulfilled it. Up until this point, he has not taken them from slavery into freedom. He's simply weakened their slave masters. But what we have to understand about this story is that God promised them freedom. And today is the day that he fulfills that promise. And what I want you to know is God has offered all of you the same thing. And he hasn't just offered you freedom from your slave master that is sin. The scripture tells us that we were all once slaves to sin, but with Christ's sacrifice on the cross, we are allowed to be freed women. 
And God offers the same thing for us today. And so as you think about the rescue story that we're gonna read with the, with the Israelites, I want you to also think about yourself today. The truth is, is I, this is, I've titled Rescue Mission and Not the Great Escape. I think the Great Escape is probably a good title for Exodus in a lot of ways, but I'm being very particular with the language here. The reason why I call it a rescue mission is because oftentimes in our culture today, we don't like stories of heroes and heroines anymore. You know, literature used to be that there was this untarnished hero character that would come in and take the damsel in distress and, and like whoosh her right out of danger. And we used to love those stories, but something happened in our culture. And now today, you know what we like? We like victim stories. We like to think of ourselves as victims and instead of being rescued, we like to think that we have to escape. And that is not this story. This is a story about a God who does all the work. Now, yes, to be fair, the Israelites have to walk across the Red Sea and no doubt that took an act of faith. But when you think about what they did compared to what God did, it is an infinitesimally smaller job. Can you imagine God's telling the war stories like, yeah, and then I brought in this wind and I split the sea and I drowned the army and they're like, whoa, but I walked. I walked. He's like, okay, everybody's laughing at you, Israeli. But we do that sometimes too. We think that we are victims and we've got to do something to escape from our slavery. And in fact, I'm telling you, you don't. You need simply to allow yourself to be rescued. And so we're going to look at what rescue sometimes looks like when God's doing the rescuing. And so my first point today is that when God rescues you, sometimes you take the wonky way. I just use the word wonky because it's this word I'm stuck on lately. I don't know. I just, I'm like, that looked wonky. So anyways, sometimes you take the wonky way. Yeah, you saw in your scripture that when God takes them out, he doesn't take them on the shortcut. They don't take the fast route straight into the land of Cana. And there's a couple of reasons why I think he does that. One, they're not ready. They're not ready. They cannot take the shortcut. And because God loves them and he cares for them, he takes them the wonky route. He takes them the long way. Why? Because they're not ready to face the Philistines. One of the things you have to understand is the scripture tells us that they were armed for battle, but that doesn't mean they were ready for battle. In the ancient Near East, your ability to, to be successful as a nation was completely dependent on your military. Might was right. Because in this time, they don't have factories, they don't have production, they don't have trade, they don't have any of that stuff. They have some trade, but most of the time the trade looked like this. Hey, do you have it? Oh good, I will take it. Right? Whoever was more powerful, whoever was better fighter, those were the more powerful nations and they went around just conquering lands. And so now you have this group of people that have been slaves for 400 years. They don't have artillery. They don't have fighting skills. They haven't gone out and been like, okay, formation ready. And not to mention, they've got their women and children with them and, and women and children don't go to war until the modern times. They're not ready. And God does that for us sometimes. And we, like the Israelites, sometimes wanna go the shortcut route. And we have to trust that God is taking us on the right route, even if it looks wonky. There are times that we look at God and we go, but God, I can see the promised land right there. And he's like, no, go that way. Don't raise your hand, but how many people have gone through region? I've gone through region. You know the number one complaint about region? It's too long. You know how I know that? Because I complained the entire time. And, and I realized as I was doing that, that one, region's not about me, <laughs> who knew? Uh, and two, I also learned that very similar to this is so many times that we, I thought healing could take place in like six months instead of a year. And sometimes that's because I'm like the Israelites looking and going, here's the shortcut, I'm ready. And God at times has to go, you're not ready. You haven't quite gotten step three down. You haven't quite gotten step four down. Yes, I do want you to spend that much time confessing. 
So in our own lives, when God comes to rescue you, don't be like Israelites or don't be like foolish people who go, there's the shortcut, because sometimes you're not ready for the shortcut. And if you will trust God on the route that he's taking you on, it will always lead you to the route of victory. They weren't ready. The second point in this is that God is not their thug. Because some of you are going, okay, I get it. They weren't ready. And the reason why they weren't ready is because they were going to have to enter into Philistine territory. And so you're a little bit like, yeah, but didn't he just dismantle the Egyptians? Can't he just walk into Philistine territory and be like, dead? And then they just walk through. Which is an honest question because he had just dismantled them. But one of the things you have to understand, God is not your thug that you get to have behind you. You know, you walk into the meeting, you're like, this land will now be my land. And they're like, really? And and you're like, uh, I'll send in the big guy. Go ahead, kill them all. That's not how God works. Yes, he had dismantled the Egyptians, but there's a reason why he did that. There's this concept in the Old Testament known as talionic justice. What it means is that the punishment fits the crime. It's what makes God completely unique in the ancient Near Eastern culture. There are a lot of cultures that had laws very similar to ours, but the difference being that their punishment was often elevated to revenge, not justice. I slap your wife, I kill all your family. Not quite fair. But we see with the Egyptians, they kill all the firstborns. And so what does God do? He kills their firstborn. You enslave my people for 400 years? Yes, you will see your end. There's justice that's taking place in Egypt. For God to just walk into the Philistine territory where they have done no wrongs to the Israelites and wipe them all out would mean that God is not just. It would mean that he's just going around killing people at will for no reason. And that's not a good God. So when I read that, I was like, oh man, I think I sometimes want God to just take out my foes. And we know later on that we're gonna understand what the Philistines are like. We're gonna understand that later on that their sin is great so that a little shepherd boy comes in and takes one out with a stone and cuts his head off. Goliath is a Philistine, we will learn later, but the fullness of their sin is not here yet. They're still a new nation at this point in scripture. When God sends the Israelites into Cana to wipe them out, they had been given plenty of time to repent. But the Philistines are the new kid on the block and God is gonna give them time. And so sometimes when God takes you on the wonky road, he's doing it because it's not always about you, that sometimes he's giving your enemy time to repent. And so we can't expect God to just go in and fight every battle and kill everybody around us because things are hard. Instead, sometimes God goes, hey, I've got something working with them, so I'm gonna send you over here. And we need to trust that God is dealing both justly and goodly, even though that's not a word, with both parties. The third reason that God sometimes takes you on the wonky road um, is to just show you that he's with you. You know, I would have been that Israelite that's standing there and being like, there's the promised land. Like, I don't have a map per se, but I can see it. And then everybody would be like, hey, child, the pillar of God is over there. I'm like, I know, but can we not just go that way? No, when you're on the wonky road, what's really great is that he's with you. He's with you. So whatever way you're going, just go where the pillar's going. That's pretty simple, right? You don't have to know where you're going. Where's the pillar? Oh, getting my pillar. Oh, we're going this way. Okay, we're going this way. Now, we do know that God's doing something. He's inciting the Egyptians to come after them because he's not quite done with them. But all the Israelites need to do is trust that God is gonna be with them. And so some of you are in a story of rescue right now that God is taking you out of a situation where you've been enslaved to sin, you've been enslaved to temptation, you've been enslaved to a bad relationship, you've been enslaved to your own lustful desires, you've been enslaved to so much. And all I can tell you is to follow God. And it may not look like the road you want to be on, but if it's the road he's on, it's the road you should be on. And so whatever wonky way God is taking you, if he is with you, go. 
go. So that's the first part about when God rescues you, sometimes it's the wonky road. The second one is this, is sometimes when God rescues you, it can be scary. It can be scary. There's no doubt when you're walking out of this land and all of a sudden you look back and the entire Egyptian army's coming at you that you're like, hmm, that looks a little scary to me. Now how they respond is that they begin to focus too much on the army coming at them instead of the God who is with them. Like suddenly the army coming at them is more terrifying to them than the comfort and the safety of the God that is with them. And that's what they needed to do. And so as a, as a, a person who lives in 2015, who kind of fancies, or so, I'm not, I don't get scared a lot. That's not true. Actually, I'm the jumpiest human being on the planet. This is a true story. Gigi and Kelsey will testify. I'll have my head down at my desk and apparently they'll be going, Nika, Nika. Nika, and then they'll come around and like touch my desk and I'm like, Wah! like literally that's how jumpy I am. My cell phone scares me from time to time. <laughs> However, when it comes to actual like big fear, I'm like the person that's like, let's get the swords, let's fight. Who are we fighting? I don't even care. Where are we going? That's just how I'm wired. This fight or flight thing, it's always fight for me. I'd rather go down swinging than go down running. I don't like to run. I think that's more of what it is. <laughs> And so I'm a person, I don't, I don't get scared a lot, but I imagine that there are lots of things in life that, that do in fact scare me. And so, but when I look at this story of the Israelites and they're like, man, why'd you bring us out here? Is it because there weren't enough graves in Egypt? I'm like, first of all, you are sassy. And second of all, you cowards. Like, I wanna be that way. I wanna be like, really? Slavery's better? Do you not remember 400 years? And not only that, you cried out to God. That's how this book started. You asked for help, the help comes in and you're like, I don't want that kind of help. You don't get to pick your rescuer oftentimes. So I wanna be like harsh towards Israelites, but the truth is I'm the exact same way as them. So many times when, when things get scary, we wanna return to our slave master. Because sometimes the slavery that we know is more comfortable than the freedom that seems uncertain. We do this. Oh, we do this. Right, you're in an you're in a unhealthy relationship and it's not good and it's toxic and finally everybody in your life is convincing you, please leave this relationship and so you finally do and there's this small moment of victory where you're walking out of Israel or Egypt and you're like, okay. And then suddenly you're like, but I'm lonely. And I'd rather be toxic and lonely than free and lonely. Or I'd rather be toxic and with somebody than free and lonely. And then you're tempted to go back. We do that, right? Or, or you finally, like, I, I read magazines about y'all. I, I know y'all. Y'all are my flock. I read the Gospel Coalition, what I need to know about women's ministry. And you know what I know about you guys? Is that many of you are addicted to pornography. I know this to be true. And I know that this is a struggle that women's ministries so rarely talk about. And what makes me hurt for y'all is that the way that people have handled this in the past makes it too scary for you to talk about. But I also know friends who have come out of that. And you know what, they tell me that there are nights that even though they finally have been freed from the bondage of this sin, they finally have gotten that grasp off of them. There are nights when they are lonely and the idea of just that one more hit, that one more moment in slavery is better than the hardness of walking step by step in freedom and obedience that Christ has given you. I know that sometimes slavery looks appealing. I know that. So although I wanna be harsh with the Israelites, unfortunately I'm just like them and if I know y'all, you are like them too. And listen, listen, freedom is always better than slavery. Freedom is always better than slavery. 
And so I know that there are times when God rescues you in your life, when Jesus Christ reveals himself to you, that the life you have to give up is gonna be really hard to give up. But freedom is a good thing. And it's always better than being a slave. And so don't be like the Israelites and turn back to your old ways. I know that sometimes when God rescues you, it's scary, but what you need to know is that God will fight for you. You're not alone in this rescue mission. He doesn't come in and kick in the door and go, there's the door, run as fast as you can. I hope you make it. That's not what God does. There's this incredible moment when Moses, the leader, is coming before the people and they are terrified. And they look up to God and they're like, they're coming. They're focusing on the army, they're coming. And Moses looks at them and says, guys, listen to me. The Lord will fight for you. And he says the same thing to you today. Freedom is scary, slavery sometimes feels comfortable, but God will fight for you and you are not alone in this. You need simply to be rescued. You don't have to do anything. Now look, do they have to walk across? Yes. Do you have to do some things? Yes. Is there obedience in the Christian life? Yes. But the amount of work that God will do for you far surpasses what he's asking you to do. All you have to do is take your eyes off your foe and put them on your savior. They know that God is capable. They know that he is strong. They know that he is greater. They need simply to be still and trust that the promise he gave them, he will see to completion. So I know it's scary, but God will fight for you. And then finally, God finishes the job. Can you imagine just trying to take yourself back in that place and Moses lifts up the staff and then the water parts and you walk out on dry ground. So dry ground, remember this because I'm gonna come back to this in a second. And you get all the way across and you're looking back and suddenly the Egyptians are coming in and God just closes in on them. And And he tells you, the Egyptians that you've seen today, you will never, ever see again. And you get to watch their destruction. Why does this matter? Because y'all watch scary movies, right? And what happens at the end? Every movie maker in the history of movies toys with our emotion. And so the, the, the guy, the chainsaw murderer, he's dead, we think, right? And everybody's like, oh, we made it. And then all of a sudden he like sits up and you have, you have been duped because you're like, oh, we made it. Like you take a break because they're taking a break. And then the music like sharply goes up and he's not dead. And hopefully somebody has a gun. And you're like, gah, 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 you know? And then what always happens is they're like pile full of lead and then they all walk out and everybody's hugging and kissing and then they go back into the room and he like looks and you're like, oh my gosh, a sequel's coming. (laughs) There is no sequel when God's rescuing you. There is no, you know, Halloween 20, I don't know how many chainsaw movies there have been, how many, scream, scream, anybody my age, scream, y'all remember that? Yeah, scared the socks off me. I can't believe my parents let me watch that. That's not what God does. When God rescues you, he rescues you. God doesn't weaken your slave master, he destroys your slave master. You know how our God did that? He sent his son to a cross. And when his son died and rose from the grave, he forever freed us from the slave master that was over us. And if we will accept the free gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus, you are not a slave. Ladies, many of you in this room, like me, we are free women and we will celebrate in heaven with the lamb that saved our lives. And so there are times that we're tempted to return to our slavery, but we can't. We can't even return because it's been vanquished. 
You know what's crazy is they might've walked back across that Red Sea and gone back into Egypt and be like, slave us, come on. They're dead. There are no slave masters. God has ended that reign. They have no fear of going back into slavery and neither do we. We are free. And so sometimes I act like a woman who's under slave of sin and darkness, but my position is that I'm a free woman simply playing in the muck and the mire that God has saved me from. I am not bound by that muck and mire, and neither are you. The final point is this, is that sometimes when God rescues you, you praise him. How many of y'all love chapter 15? Yeah, only a few artists in the room, that's fine. (laughs) I read some commentaries, the first one said, if if 14 is prose, then 15 is the poetry, if 14 is the narration, then 15 is the celebration, and this is what happens inevitably. When people get rescued, we celebrate. When people get rescued, we celebrate and we should do that. As rescued and redeemed people, we should do that. This is an incredible story. They, they were enslaved for 400 years. No hope. There's no, there's no warrior that rises up and, and starts a coup and then there's a, there's a revolt and a rising. No, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing. And then a God comes in and says, yeah, it's time. And he takes out your slave masters. He lets you watch the destruction. You walk on dry ground and suddenly you're free. How could you not praise him? And many of you have similar stories. I was once dead. I was once lost. I was blind. And now I see. So that's why we come to church on Sunday and praise God. It's why we do this on Wednesday morning. It's why we write our hymns and write our songs. And our life is a constant celebration of all that God has given you. I told you earlier I was gonna address this dry ground. We're gonna have a little apologetics moment. You can humor me right here. So my job as uh, one of the ministers here is I had the privilege of going to school for five years. I'm a little bit of an expert, little bit, little bit. And so my job is to stay ahead of the curve. My job is to know all that you guys are gonna be hearing from the world around you. And I know what you're hearing. Do you really believe they walked on dry ground? Don't you think that maybe it was just a tidal wave? Don't you think that maybe it was just like natural forces? Or maybe they didn't actually, this is the favorite one they use. Maybe they didn't cross in the Red Sea. Maybe it was the Reed Sea. And it was just a moshy, like moshy little pit. And they walked across that. And so there wasn't actually a miracle that happened because the world wants to tell you that there's nothing supernatural going on in the Bible. And so many of you email me and go, how should I respond to this? But I can't be in every conversation and nor do I think I need to be. I trust every one of you in here. I do. So this is how you handle that conversation. You go, okay, here's Christianity. Here's the center. Here's the co-centric rings. What you want to argue about is out here. What's going on right here in the very center of Christianity is there was a man who lived a perfect life, died for my sins, and three days later rose from the dead. Do you believe that that happened? If the answer is yes, then the rest is child's play. If the answer is no, then who cares about this? Let's just focus on this. This is the crux of what we believe. And if you believe this happened, it is not hard to believe that they walked on dry ground. It's just not. But if you don't believe this, then I don't wanna get caught up in the details here because these are details for believers to praise God. This is not something to be a detriment or a stumbling block to you for believing in God. That happened, I believe it happened. But until you believe this, it's gonna be very difficult for you to believe they walked on dry ground. And so that's your apologetics moment brought to you by Ozarka Water. You can write that down. I'm kidding, they don't sponsor me, Dasani does. Um, just kidding. So what's the big so what for today? 
I told you earlier, I think that this passage uh, has a lot to do with today. And, and the truth is, is, I think the way that this story is written is that many of you have pharaohs and have Egyptian armies in your life. I think there are things in your life that cause you to fear. I think there are things in your life that cause you to doubt God's goodness. I think that there are real threats in your life that threaten your, your well-being. I think that your marriages are suffering. I think that your children are hurting. I think your family members are sick. I think there are real things in your life that cause you to go, God, where are you? And the same message that those Israelites heard is the same message you're gonna hear today. So everybody just take a moment and write down on your, on your piece of paper or wherever, take a minute, what is your Egyptian army? What is your Pharaoh that you feel like is that thing that when you think about it, there's something in your gut that clenches up and there's something in your heart that tightens and says, this one's scary to me. This one's big to me. What is that thing? I want you to think about it right now. And write it down or, or put it somewhere. And I just, we're gonna take just a couple of seconds to really think about what that is. You got it? You know that thing? That thing that's really scary? I got a, a text from my mom. Y'all know my parents' stories that for a long time, they, they weren't walking with the Lord. And as just a couple of years ago, I, God did a miracle, which walking on dry ground seems simple to me. Changing my parents' heart, that was a miracle to me. And so he did. And now my parents are believers. And, and my mom has always been a, a woman who is fearful and controlling and um, human is what I'm describing. And so uh, I get a text from her because my family texts important things. And it turns out my stepdad, who uh, is the one I told the story about recently, has some lump, something in his arm. I don't know. And originally they didn't think it was a big deal. And then when they did a sonogram on it, suddenly it became a bigger deal. And so we don't know what it is. We don't know. And what's really fun to me is that, is that my mom just texted, well, it's not in our hands and we'll see where this goes. And that, that kind of faith is incredible. But now I'm left with going... I don't want him to have cancer. I, I, don't, I don't want my family to be sick. The benefits of your mom being so young when she has you is that your parents don't get old. Like we don't talk about nursing homes in my family. And I know that's a gift. I, I know many of you are, are caring for aging parents and it, it's been such a gift for me that we haven't had anything in our family. And now I'm like, I don't, I don't want this. But I'm not gonna focus on that. Because I know the God that I serve and I'm not scared of this. Whatever it is, our family will tackle it. And so I want y'all to think about what that is. And then I want you to look up at this picture. And I want to remind you of something. I want to remind you the same thing that Moses reminded the people. Do not fear. Do not fear. Whatever it is, whatever you're thinking about, whatever you've written down, do not fear. Stand firm and see that the salvation of the Lord that he has provided. Stand firm and look at that cross. The foes that you see today, there is a day coming when you will never, ever see them again. There is a day coming when there will be no more tears, there will be no more suffering, there will be no more cancer, no more divorces, no more illness, no more unhealthiness, no more pornography, no more anything. A day is coming, so we stand firm now, and the Lord will fight for you. You need simply to trust him. Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you that your word is true that it's profitable for the Israelites then and profitable for us today. And God, we are all tempted to look at our foes instead of looking at you. And so Lord, I pray that you would help us fix our eyes on you, to fix our eyes on the cross and to just be reminded of your unfailing love for us in this rescue mission that you've fashioned. 
allow our conversations to be pleasing to you and allow our hearts to just be comforted by knowing you are with us and you'll never, ever leave us. It's in your son's name I ask these things, amen.